do you ever think you're like, is this a thing that I'm doing as a crutch for my trauma? Or is this a thing that normal people actually do? Oh, all the time. I'm like, is this normal? Like, what? What is normal anymore? All the time. All the time. Hello, my friend. My name is Jude Stratus, and you are listening to Get In Bestie, a podcast in which I indulge my obsession with the nebulous and confusing concept of friendship. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you're being a good friend to you today. Welcome, my friends. This week, I am speaking with my friend Erica Freckleton. Erica and I met at a tech company. It was my first full time job as a product designer. Erica was on the marketing team. She was doing this super badass SEO marketing. I thought she was the coolest and funniest person ever. And for the year and a half that I worked there, I was thoroughly convinced that she was only nice to me because we were co workers. As it turns out, um, that was not the case, and we have still remained friends to this day. Even though we have both moved on from the company, we've both moved out of the state, we have a very consistent relationship of responding to each other's Instagram stories and the occasional birthday text. This conversation with Erica really lifted my spirits. It reminded me why I loved speaking with her when I saw her more often in the flesh. We talked a lot about defining the relationship and how that doesn't really exist in the friend zone. We talked about how much we both really love a framework and are a little bit terrified of blue sky thinking. And we kept an ongoing counter for how much of our preferences and behaviors were related to trauma versus how many of them were just normal human things. Something I really loved about this conversation was getting the opportunity to talk to someone who has a very different relationship with conflict than I do and getting to have that dialogue whilst not in the middle of a conflict with that person. So you'll hear us talk about our relationship to understanding when you're in conflict with somebody and how that realization kind of happens. And it gave me a lot of empathy for other people and also helped me cultivate a little bit of grace for myself. It's so much easier to understand each other when emotions aren't high and this allowed me to have a little bit of a different perspective over conflicts I've had in the past or people that I've had difficult relationships with. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. I hope you learn something new and I'm so grateful you're taking the time to be here with us. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Uh, So just to get started, I'd love if you would introduce yourself, name, pronouns, um, any particular identities you feel aligned with in this moment in time and space. Yes, I'm Erica, she, her pronouns, some identities that are currently resonating with me. So disabled, but you wouldn't know it unless you Mm. saw my service dog. Yes. Yes. Which service dog handler. That's a big one. It takes a lot of time, space, attention. Um, 
bi, but in a heteronormative relationship. So it's like, does it exist? Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, there's that. Um, a reluctant podcaster with my own podcast, but come find yeah. me if you like books. Um, big reader, human, friend. The list could go on forever. Love it. I love uh, disabled, but you wouldn't know it. I feel like there's so many of us. There's so many of us. Yes. Yes. I feel like talking about it more, it feels weird all of the time, but Mm -hmm. also it feels weird and vulnerable, but also talking about it is like, there's so many of us and we're so many, we're living real lives and we're doing normal things. And it's so important to just talk about it. Yeah. I had a friend I used to dance with in college um, who recently told me that they self-disclosed disability through their entire college experience and had like help getting through their classes. And I was like, what? Never would have occurred. Never would have occurred <laughs> it to never me. Never would have occurred to me. <laughs> I was like, I truly could have used that, but instead I just, you know, trauma baby overfunctioned and yeah. Yes. Like I'm still at the place where I'm like, do I even check it on a job form? I'm like, yes. I know you say you won't discriminate against me, but like, but you will, but like, will you? <laughs> and I, I've always wanted to test that, but I've never had the time and mm-hmm. or, you know, flexibility in my career to just, you know, get out here and send out a bunch of job apps and test it. But yeah. You know, what's so funny is I, um, I've gone through the job search quite a few times during the pandemic because, uh, it's hard to hold down a job uh, when you're disabled and you live in a capitalist state. And um, I find myself, I'll click it, like I'll self-disclose unless I really want the job. Literally. (laughs) I won't. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I do the same thing. Do you? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like some things that I do in my relationships, which I'm sure we'll talk about. (laughs) But I would love to hear some words that you would use to describe the type of friendship that you and I share. Yes, I would describe this friendship as my dog's making sounds. I would describe this friendship as insightful, fulfilling. It's endlessly fascinating. Mm. It's one that makes me use my brain, but in a good way. I appreciate that. It's primarily digital these days. But mm-hmm. still, it's the kind that I often find myself telling other friends about later. So I learned this thing from my one friend a few months ago. Maybe you could apply it in this situation and it might be helpful kind of way. We all love mm-hmm. a communication hack or possibly an interesting yeah, yeah, TikTok, yeah. you know. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I, it is primarily digital. So, yeah, we met working together at... Um, a healthcare tech company that shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great time. It was a great time. We shared many a lunch together in that big, bright, beautiful lunchroom. I'm so glad our paths crossed. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Instagram, for this one fucking thing you did for us. Literally one thing and one thing only. One thing and one thing only. Absolutely. (laughs) First thing is, how would you describe the function of friendship in your life? And then how would you describe the experience of it? Oh, that's such a fun question. The function and experience of friendship. 
Okay, so the function of friendship. I... I'm hearing my dog pant. No, I am thinking about people who get into committed long-term relationships and make one person in their life their source of all of their emotional fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think I knew from a really early age in my life that I absolutely didn't want that to be my model in life. Mm -hmm. So from a really young age, I've used friendships to kind of build a world where I have many different outlets for many different, really deep, rich, fulfilling Mm -hmm. conversations. And it's interesting because sometimes they only exist possibly like in a digital space. And it's such a small snippet of my life, somebody else's life, but it's Mm -hmm. still really, really deep, meaningful conversations when they happen, possibly months apart. So that's sort of how it's, I see the function of it in my life, at least. And the experience I've had with it, I've had so many different experiences with it from college roommates where you look back and you think, I cannot believe I lived with that person. What has happened here? (laughs) So like college roommates where you look back and you're like, I was in their wedding and I didn't even know them when I moved in. Yeah. So it really, it's on on such a spectrum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. I like how you talked about like building building up this sort of like world in which you can get all of these different sort of like connections and emotional needs yeah met through various people yeah I'm big on looking into like diff like having so many different sources Mm. for different things and also knowing which people in your life are good at which things and who to go to for which topics which types of support yeah. Knowing your audience, that's always yeah. been helpful. <laughs> Who are you talking to? And totally. some therapy baby stuff right there too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, I can't get the same thing from every single person, nor should I want to. Right? It's the realization that nor should I want to. It's like, oh, oh <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you. Oh, interesting. This is a different game we're playing now. Got it. Uh Uh-huh. Very cool. Um, So I'd love to hear you speak more to, you said you had this realization kind of at a younger age. And so I'd love to hear you speak more to what kind of examples of friendships that you saw from your caregivers, guardians, the, um, adults or quote-unquote adults in your Mm -hmm. life yeah I have I'm really really fortunate in having some really positive adult friendship models in my life from my mom and my dad (laughs) wow right you really don't typically expect that but both of my parents are very very social creatures my mom developed a squad of gals that she went to lunch with from like the drop-off line at elementary school and they stayed super close even after all the kids graduated honestly they were really close into the pandemic and keeping up with like what we've been up to and talking about life's problems and honestly kind of using it as like stand-in for therapy really adorable and then my dad has also really had long-term friendships through drop-in hockey 
he plays beer league hockey with his friends and he has for years isn't that the cutest most michigan thing you've ever heard in your life a hundred percent yeah he plays drop-in hockey with his friends i guess it's not drop-in it's organized but they go a couple times a week and they're in a league and it's the same guys that show up sometimes they take trips to go play hockey in different places yeah really sweet they're a crew of guys it's so great my brother skates with them sometimes now so they're bringing other folks into the mix So that's kind of what I saw modeled of adults actually prioritizing time for friendship Mm -hmm. and carving out space from their responsibilities of like, I have a commitment with my peers today. I'm going to go do it. Divvying Mm -hmm. up the household responsibilities to make that happen. Yeah. You know, that's so helpful to hear um, because I've, I've recognized that as I've been in recovery and um, just sort of this journey of recovery as like a bucket term mm-hmm. um, that I just really function a lot better in friendships with with people who can schedule things like I'm not I'm not great with the sort of like it'll organically sort of just happen and we'll like spend time together when it happens I'm like it's so hard that's really hard and like I if I if if nothing is on my schedule that is a plan Right. No. <laughs> I have planned to do nothing. I will sit at home. Perhaps I will read a book, yeah. but I will plan to do nothing that day. Sorry, I'm booked. Mm-hmm. Like you got to get on this schedule. And uh, we do that a lot with um, like we call them wise friends in recovery dharma. But like I have a scheduled phone call every week and we talk and we, you know, it can kind of go for whatever. But I know like that's my time with this human and we're going to connect and I protect it. So it's really, it's good to hear that you had that model that, that people do that sometimes. Do you ever think you're like, is this a thing that I'm doing as a crutch for my trauma? Or is this a thing that normal people actually do? Oh, all the time. I'm like, (laughs) is this normal? Like what, what is normal anymore? All the time, all the time. Turns out sometimes it is. Yeah, totally. Who knew? Totally. Not us, but our therapists. Yeah, our therapist. Shout out. <laughs> Turns out they knew. Turns out they did. I'm sure at some point they didn't know. So right. They didn't know when someone taught them. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. We're all learning. We're all growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you ever have any, do you recall any sort of direct conversation with your parents about friendship and what makes good friends and how to make friends or sort of any conversations you had with them around it Hmm. that's such an interesting reflection because it feels like that's a conversation that you would have when you send your kids off into the world into Mm -hmm. finding their peers and we definitely didn't chat about it then at least that I remember I mean like I think that my parents taught like values and they were probably like go find you know associate with folks who have similar shared values as you probably like that kind of rundown Mm -hmm. but never in such explicit terms as like this is who a good friend is but when I was in seventh grade there was some drama at the school (laughs) and my friend group had a 
falling out. Ooh. And I went from like having this tight group of friends in seventh grade to having one single friend, like lost them all. The drama. The drama. And my mom like went to bat for me, love her so much. She did have a showdown with another mom on my behalf, a mom who like way overstepped boundaries. Mm. And so in that moment, I do think we would have had a discussion around like, okay, so here's what makes a good friend and Mm. we're going to let that relationship go. And we know that this person has been in your life for a long time, but you know, here's how we're going to like heal and move on from it. I think that would have been the moment in time. Yeah. Because seventh grade me was like, I don't have any friends anymore. Devastating. Oh, yeah. Already, everything is already so awkward and horrible in oh. seventh grade. Rocked my world. And then my one and only friend changed schools. No. Yes. Angel. I know. I had no friends going to eighth grade. I was like, I hate it here. This is the pits. Uh, it's so bad. That, yeah, that's rough. I have, I've had many of those friend group falling outs. Yeah. Yeah. And it was over something like so silly and like middle school petty. I honestly like didn't even remember what it was. My mom told me years later and I was like, that was the thing. She Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, that was the thing. Oh, it's so funny because I just thinking about like gender socialization, um, like people that are socialized as females, like I feel like often form these like really emotionally intimate groups Yes. But they're so tenuous, especially when you're younger. Cause the, I, and I just like, I don't understand because men, people that are socialized as men also form groups, but there's less emotional intimacy. But in my brain, I'm like, wouldn't that emotional in- intimacy make it feel safer? But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It's higher stakes. Yeah. It's way higher stakes. It's like they know all your dirty secrets mm. and they will just expose you at a second mm-hmm. for like the attention of a boy they're into yeah like, what just happened here huh there's um clementine morgan which i actually didn't realize you introduced me to clementine morgan um years ago you let me borrow one of their poetry books love that and this is way before i started following them on social media and kind of the work that they do now and i've bought a lot of her zines um so thank you I was like that name sounds so familiar yeah (laughs) you let me borrow her book I love that um she has a zine where she talks about the cute she calls it the cuteness matrix and it's Mm -hmm. how um women and people that are socialized as femmes or choose to be femmes um we're often we're socialized to be pitted against each other in in like competition of male um attention yes and how she was I just love in the chapter she's like I just don't understand there's all these like rad ass femmes in my life and like I'm supposed to be competing with them when I'd rather be like kissing them right it's like you don't the sooner you realize that the better your life gets totally the sooner you realize that you're like oh that was the secret to life got it ten four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right righto heard got it I feel like that falling out in seventh grade helped me like just accelerated me to that truth Mm. I had Mm -hmm. that falling out I was like oh competing in this little social construct is so silly Mm. I'm now outside the social hierarchy anyway what are we doing 
I love that you learned that so young. Yeah, it was just like a crash course. We were jumping right in. We figured it out by high school. I was like, okay, well, I guess wow. I'll just be my genuine self now. She's weird. <laughs> Perfect. We love her. Great. Yeah. It was a bumpy road, but like learning that truth, I feel like it was helpful. Yeah, totally. Um, so you mentioned this a little bit earlier about like the various experiences that you've had. Um, and I wonder, do you have in your brain formally or informally in this moment categories of like, these are the sort of buckets of friendship types that I have in my life? Types of friends. Yeah, I think there are a couple just standard buckets, if you will. Okay. And then I think based on the season of life that I'm in, I might have some specialty buckets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like some of the standard buckets, I typically have just a couple friends from way back from elementary school. Honestly, they're the people that I do the podcast with. Shout out to them, really holding strong. The one that left me in seventh grade, but you know, we've reconciled. It's fine. Um, Oh, wow, good. Yeah, honestly. So like, it's really actually nice to have that shared truth because Mm. you can kind of connect to that and be like, oh, I wasn't, I was actually seeing that accurately. This is helpful. Mm. Any who's it's, you know, a bucket of friends from old age, um, from way back. Uh, Then I also have a bucket of friends from kind of like location-based so my mm. Nashville friends, mm-hmm. just like a group of really good people from that place. And then you can kind of get more specific from there of work friends from different places that I've worked, typically a group of folks from my current workplace. I have a group of friends from dog school. We just did service dog school. So that's amazing. Yeah, amazing. A small cohort of dog school friends. So yeah. And then every now and then there are buckets of friends that I kind of forget that I have and they just pop back up out of the woodwork and they're like, Hey, Mm. I haven't talked to you in 12 years Mm -hmm, from, mm -hmm. you know, this thing we used to do when we were kids, we used to go skiing together every winter, the whitest thing ever. I just said, but you know what? It's fine. That is an actual experience. I know. Right. (laughs) Skiing when you were a kid. Wow. Honestly, we used to go to these tiny little man-made mountains in Michigan. It was some good stuff. My parents would stick us in ski school. It was funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, every now and then, like, I feel like somebody will pop back out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and just kind of surprise you with how close the friendship still is. Mm. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of it is sort of like the buckets are kind of categorized by like, where did I develop this friendship? Yeah. Like location. But then you've also got this sort of, other layer it sounds like of closeness like there are there's the it's a graph it's a graph if you will you could plot it (laughs) quadrants there are uh quadrants to it yeah there's like intimacy and location yes yes and then there are also I think just you know standouts on there for example I had an old roommate I continued to befriend his ex-girlfriends because he Ooh. kept dating really wonderful, wonderful people and then breaking God, up I with them. That. And I was like, listen, I know this is less than ideal for you, but if you're going to keep dating wonderful women and then breaking up with them, I'm sorry, I can't cut it off. Like yeah. she can be an outside friend. So that's like, also- Don't introduce me anymore, right. honestly. Right. So those are like two of my like most solid friendships out here. 
that pre-vetted by an old roommate shout out to him shout out is that the reason he left the state of california nobody knows (laughs) you know what's so funny is i have like three exes that moved to california after we broke up which i don't know what that says about (laughs) me just sending people off to the west (laughs) i'm like you were so rocked you had to move to the west coast Uh, reinvent themselves out here oh i love it Amazing. I hope that's a good thing. It's great. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. So what are some things that give you friendship butterflies? Ooh, friendship butterflies. Fun. It's been a minute since I've had friendship butterflies. Okay. So this is a kind of off the wall one. But, and it also makes my palms a little sweaty, which I think is why it gives me friendship butterflies. Yeah, it sounds like butterflies. <laughs> but talking about boundaries explicitly really early on in friendship, Ooh. I'm like, oh, that was the coolest mm. thing ever. It comes mm. off as really bold, but also like you're very in tune with your own needs and you know how to communicate them. Yes. And I'm like, that's a person I want to learn from. That's a person I want to be friends with. Teach mm-hmm. me how to do that. <laughs> I love that. No, so valid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really big one. It's so funny that my friendship butterfly thing is around setting boundaries because it's like protecting your time and space. But I feel like. No, that's valid. Yeah. Because then you're like, I feel like that establishes a lot of safety for me because it's like, oh, there's room for me to do that. And that's like something that it's really hard for me and it's even harder for me if the other person isn't doing it right yes I'm like a recovering people pleaser so I just want to say yes to everything or I don't have an opinion on it I'm like I don't know what you want to do and that's not good so it's really (laughs) helpful when someone is super clear and explicit about like hey this is the boundary the expectation whatever and I'm like oh I can do that too I thank you for modeling this behavior Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I would say another friendship green flag if you will it's really just demonstrating any kind of behavior like modeling any kind of behavior where I'm like I want to integrate that into my own life like that is something Mm. I hadn't considered a new perspective a new communication technique like anything like that I'm like ooh, you're onto something you're reading watching consuming media whatever that I have not yet gotten to I would like to be in your circle because yeah you're on to it (laughs) you're um you're an Enneagram five right Oh boy, can you tell? <laughs> I'm the most five of all the fives. Um, okay, any other friendship butterflies? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I should have more. But also, I'm very bad at interoception. Mm. Noting. Fine interoception. Okay, I got to look it up to make sure I don't lead people astray. Yeah. But I did just use it today in therapy. This is a, this is a fresh use case. I, it was, it was a callback. Mm. Okay. Okay. Here we, okay. You know what? I was using it right in my brain. Go past Erica. Yeah. So interoception is a lesser known sense that helps you understand and feel what's going on inside your body. So people who struggle with this might have trouble knowing when they're hungry, full, hot, cold, thirsty, all of those good mm. things. It's really not connecting with what's going on. Yeah. So I'm, it's so hard to find butterflies because I'm like, I don't know. 
if it's not dire, we're not tracking it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That makes a lot of sense too, with what you were saying about, um, like it's really, it gives you butterflies when someone does have that sense of themselves. Cause you're like, Ooh, yes. how you do, how you I'm do like, that. Teach me how to do that. I also want to discover myself. Maybe you could show me. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is needed to maintain friendships? Like what kind of behaviors do you sort of deposit into your friendships to maintain them? I'd say mutual interest mm. and just a general, but also a general sense of flexibility and empathy. And I think friendships are kind of this give and take of some seasons of life are going to be really chaotic for some mm. people. And there might be, I don't know, maybe quieter on one end for a bit. And then I think there are other times where that person might kind of pick up the slack. And so as long as there's this mutual understanding that one person isn't doing all of the emotional labor, like that's not a fulfilling friendship here. And I think I've been in friendships like that. So recognizing that, that it's just like, there's a mutual expectation Mm -hmm. that we're both showing up for each other in whatever way that it is. Yeah. How do you hold yourself accountable to doing that I'm so bad at this (laughs) one thing that I am so bad at that I really truly wish I was better at since I moved out of Nashville is calling my friends and just being like hey what's up how's your life just like Mm -hmm. a quick check-in and I think about it a lot like I think about my friends all the time but I never which is so silly to say (laughs) but I won't reach out and call them and just have I don't know, like a 20 minute conversation, because every time I go to do that, it's always followed by like, oh, but what if they're busy? They don't want to hear from me. (laughs) And it's like, well, they won't answer. Yeah. Like they will simply not answer. Maybe text you, maybe call you back later, but it is the smallest deal, like no deal at all. But that stops me. (laughs) No, I do. Okay. So positing a theory here I do honestly feel that the lack of direct conversations we're taught to have about what a friendship is and like like we when do we like DTR a friendship like that's not a thing we do so it does there is all of this weirdness about like how do I maintain this relationship that I'm not even really sure right. like what the, we have words like best friend, but like, that's a weird hierarchy thing that like, what does that even mean? Like, that's just like an expression of, I feel really close to you in a way that I don't feel close with other people, but that doesn't, there's no like rules or boundaries around that in the same way that you would do that with, generally like a romantic or sexual partner right yeah there's just like no expected agreement off the bat friendships can mean anything to anyone Mm -hmm. you can think you're being a good friend to someone and the person could turn around and be like that is phoning it in in my definition yeah yeah and I think everyone has a different take on direct communication and sometimes people perceive that super aggressive when you try to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. 
I'm way less apt to have them in my personal relationship, which is such a neat thing. We'll work on it. But I've just like gathered that feedback from watching responses when I engage in direct communication in a work setting. To be yeah. like, oh, that was so cool. You can talk to people like that. And I'm like, well, I mean, like, I'm not being rude, but I'm just being direct. And yeah. it's just, it's a fascinating phenomenon to behold. Mm. It's really perceived as aggressive. You know, this is so funny. I was actually just talking with um, one of our mutual friends and I I had um I had a conflict with one of my recovery friends and this is a person who like doesn't work in tech or businesses and like offices and in any rate the way that we do and I think there is like I'm recognizing that the directness that I use at work the like holding of meeting boundaries and Mm -hmm. like sticking to the agenda and like what is the goal of this conversation like (laughs) those tools make me feel really safe yes and when I bring them into my personal relationships if we don't have that shared experience of those tools they feel really gross and icky for other people (laughs) yes yes (laughs) but okay here's the thing like Genuinely, some of those things are really helpful. They're in so terms helpful. Of like setting clear expectations, redirecting when those expectations start to kind of get off track. Those those things are really, really helpful if you can humanize the language. Yeah. So you're not like, you know, asking your friend to follow up and circle back. But <laughs> but I've also experienced the same reaction of like, oh my God, did you really just do that in a real life interaction yeah but it makes me feel it's helpful for me it's so helpful and I honestly think this is like a little bit of an autistic thing where I'm like I like I came in my ass came into this conflict I was like so what is the goal of our conversation because I would really love for us to have a shared (laughs) goal of like what we're trying to achieve I love you that's amazing (laughs) which like what I meant was was my goal is to connect with you. Right. My goal is not to figure out who was right and who was wrong. My goal is not to chastise you. My goal is not to like rehash this thing. My goal is to like reach a sense of understanding, but like that word goal and achieve just feels threatening. So threatening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny because we're just so used to it. Yeah. it's almost neutral to us now, but it is not neutral. Yeah. If that is not the language that you are encountering in your day to day. You're like, what is this in my personal relationships, you business robot? Yep. But it is it is so helpful. It's so I love helpful. A framework. I love I a love a framework. I can't help myself. I just really appreciate a framework. Yes. Yes. We just I, I just love when there's rules and I know how to follow them. And you know, I was thinking too. Um, in, in like the design thinking space, uh, there's this concept of like, there's a lot of freedom and constraints. Mm -hmm. Like if you have all these different things you have to consider in order to solve a problem that, that can actually create a lot of freedom for you to like have those constraints around because you just know the area. It's Mm -hmm. not like blue sky thinking, you know? Yes. And and that is, 
I think having those constraints, especially in tense conversations where there's like the potential to be high emotionality or it feels really vulnerable. It's like those constraints really help me to show up as my authentic self. Whereas if it's just blue sky, like, I don't know where the fuck we're going to go. And I am too anxious for that. I think, I think that kind of blue sky thinking kind of sort of keeps me on edge because I never know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So I'm always a little bit guarded waiting for just what off the wall thing is going to come at us next. Mm. But if you're keeping it sort of in some framework, you can at least anticipate, okay, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. We're working towards some kind of shared resolution here. Yeah, I can envision where this is going to end up. I don't love a surprise, as you can tell. <laughs> Not into it. We hate surprises. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. So is this is this just a trauma baby thing or is this a thing normal people do? I feel like this is a trauma baby thing. I think okay. normal people would be like, we love surprises. What's wrong with you? <laughs> they feel like a surprise is so much fun. But God me, a surprise party, <laughs> heart attack. I'm going yeah, that's down. that's a lot. I, I would like to know everything. Right? I need a full guest list and I gotta vet them first. Okay. Well, trauma baby one, normal people one, you know, can't win them all. We're all doing our best. <laughs> um. So speaking of conflict, I would love to hear you talk about maybe sort of the differences in how you show up for friendship conflict versus like established relationship conflict. Like you're in a long-term relationship, you have a partner. How does conflict with your partner feel in comparison to conflict with friends? Oh, wow. This is so good. So conflict with my partner feels, this is going to sound wild, but it feels really safe Mm -hmm. because of those frameworks we were just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about how we communicate, what's expected, all that jazz. So anytime we're in conflict, I kind of know where it's going, what's coming next, even if it's something we really don't see eye to eye on. Mm. There aren't a ton of those. So it feels just there aren't a lot of unexpected twists. But in conflict with a friend, I don't know their style of engaging in conflict first off so I'm going into it and I'm like okay you like uh, you need the information go away process come back kind of person Are you like we're not yeah. leaving till we solve this now kind of person mm. who knows those are vastly different ends of a yes. wide spectrum of how people handle things so it's kind of like trying to meet them where they are and tailor your communication strategy to whatever is going to help your message get through most effectively Mm. but first you have to figure out where are you on this communication spectrum and so friends I know best it's easier to I think get out of the conflict sooner as long as we engage in it because it's like okay I know you I know probably like what's weighing on you what's making you anxious let's jump to that and we can just talk about the things that are actually stressing you out and get to a resolution Mm. Whereas people I don't really know that well, it's like, I don't know, are you even talking about the thing? Yeah. Don't know until you tell me. Yeah. But That's only if we it. actually engage in the thing first. I don't know, with friends I know really well, we could also avoid it for like two weeks, who's to say? Oh my gosh, I would die. <laughs> I think sometimes when that happens, it's like I 
I'm not fully aware we're in conflict. Mm. <laughs> Which is a, a bad version of a conflict. You know, it's really helpful to hear that, though, because I feel like I I am a person who is hyper aware that I'm in conflict with people. And I often am more quickly aware than other people that we're in conflict. And it's really lonely and frustrating because I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I need you to, I need you to, to like, look, look. Yeah. But then yeah. I become, I get real aggressive about it because I feel lonely, but it's like, it's just, it's just different. I think like some people just, it just takes them longer. I think this goes back to the like interoception thing you were talking about. Cause when you were saying that, I was like, Ooh, that's something I'm really good at. Right. So, like I'm really quick to pick up on those things. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Honestly, I bet some of the people you're in perceived conflict with, it takes them a beat to catch up with. Yeah. But if they're people pleasers like me, once they catch up, they're like, Oh no, I've been here for a minute, but I didn't yeah. know it. My bad. Oh, we're all just having such a hard time. (laughs) And if we could just like, you know, DTR, we would all Mm -hmm. be so much better. Right. Uh, Because I've for sure been in that spot where I'm like, this has been stressing you out for at least half a month. Yeah. And me for none of the month. You've just been chilling. Right. I'm like, this has been not on my mind. I think part of the reason why I will see... I'll recognize I'm in conflict, but then I don't bring it up for two weeks and I'm resentful that the other person hasn't recognized it. But I think in a way that's me self-rejecting and feeling shame about my high level of interoception or my high level of like cognizance of the emotionality of a relationship. And I'm like, if I just accepted that about myself and like actually saw that as a gift, I could just directly bring it up as soon as I feel it. And then none of us would have to suffer because that's just like one thing that I am good at. And there are lots of things that I'm not good at. Yeah. And Honestly, I wish I could frame superpower. it that way. Yeah. Because you could head so many things off before they spiral into a bigger deal. Mm. Sort of a superpower. Yeah. You hear that, little baby? Little baby me? I... Meanwhile, I'm like, am I hungry? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I'll think about like, it. Nobody next week. knows. Right. I'm like, I will find out next Tuesday. So my last two questions for you before we start to wind down. Um, what would you like to see more of in your friendships? And what would you like to see less of in your friendships? Ooh. What I would like to see more of in my friendships. I would like to see more of my friends in my friendships. Can I say that? <laughs> Yeah. So I have really rich friendships, but everything's long distance now. And we're still in this weird pandemic world, like not traveling a ton. Mm -hmm. So I don't see my friends a ton. I Mm -hmm. absolutely cherish it when I do, but there are so many people I really miss. I would like to see more of my friends and my friendships. But I don't think I've cracked the case on how to spend quality time with people long distance. Mm hmm. That's hard. Yeah. Except uh, for podcasts. OK, actually, <laughs> this is so bad. I hate that I'm saying this. I'm going to kick myself for this later. But 
regrettably, starting a podcast with someone is a fabulous way to spend some quality time with them. <laughs> Honestly, I've been having a wonderful time with you. Right? This is what our book club podcast feels like every time yes. we record it. So like, yes. you want to hang out with your friends, con them into getting on a podcast with you. <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. What would you like to see less of? Oh, what I would like to see less of, right, right, right. Okay, so what I would like to see less of in my friendships. Hmm. Okay, this is a really hard question for me to answer because I am at a space in my life where I have kind of curated my friendships where I've got a really good crew of people. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say my friends are perfect. That would be I mean, you can over-promising. <laughs> but <laughs> I really do feel like looking at all of the people that I would call a friend in my life, they are so very different from what they do to the hobbies they're interested in just their backgrounds who they are Mm -hmm. but honestly they're all making the cut they have fantastic communication habits Mm. they're like kind and thoughtful in their own ways I think empathy they're all showing up as empathetic people and they're all bringing some kind of humor and I really appreciate that I've got a good I've got a good squad you got a good squad yeah I love it. Um, Okay, so to close out, I was going to ask you to give a friendship shout out, which you already kind of organically did, but I would love to hear if a specific gratitude you have for a friend in your life for a thing that they've done recently. Oh my gosh, can I give a friendship shout out to you? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Yes, I would love to give a friendship shout out to you, Jude, for asking me to join this podcast and also- just having me in your life. It's a constant delight. Oh, likewise, my friend. I'm so glad that, yeah, again, shout out Instagram. This is the one shout out you get, but we'll give it to you. One and only. <laughs> yes. You bring me so much joy. You make me laugh a lot, which I just is, that is, um, that is a friendship butterfly for me is I people that really that. make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear your answers. Honestly, I'm really curious. <laughs> um, well, you'll hear them organically as Wait, I is that something you reveal? <laughs> It'll be the final episode. I'll just give all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find out more about you? Yes, you can find me on the interwebs on all the platforms that I'm on, Instagram only, Twitter too, I guess. That irks. Two K's, two Z's. You can also, more interestingly, find our book club podcast at Real Friends Book Club on Instagram or online. So that's where I'm at. Yes, it's so good. I recently listened to um, For the Love of Men episode and it was so, so good. I love you guys have great chemistry. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh,